Hey, if you have your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 1 as we continue our series um, on the life of Jesus through the lens of looking at the life of David. If you don't have your Bible today, maybe you can dial it up on your phone or your tablet, or our ushers are coming down the aisle. They've got Bibles that you can use. We pass out Bibles every Sunday here just in case you want one, because every Sunday we're going to open it and study something about it so you can learn something about the Bible. So if you want a Bible to use today, or if you want one to have today, just wave at our ushers. They'll give you one. If you don't have a Bible, put your name in this one. Keep it. Go home. Start reading it uh, and learn all about Jesus that, uh, that you can possibly want to know. But today we're going to be in verse 1. I would read the entire chapter of Matthew chapter 1, but I'm just going to give you some summary points instead. But here's, here's what we're attempting to learn this summer. We're attempting to learn to learn about the man Jesus through the life of his spiritual ancestor, David, who, even if you know nothing about the Bible, you might remember David was the guy who killed Goliath. So pretty well-known guy in scripture. And here's how Matthew introduces us to Jesus. He says, this is the genealogy. For those of you who are new to this series, genealogy, the root word of that is Genesis. It means the source of, the beginning, the history of. So Matthew says, here's everything you need to know about Jesus. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, if we would go into verse 2 and read through verse 17, which I won't, you'll recognize that in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, the word father is used 39 times. And if we're just studying the life of Jesus to learn a little bit about the life of Jesus, before Matthew tells us anything about Jesus, he lets us know that the story of Jesus begins with a long line of dads and their relationships to God. I mean, we can't even get to the name of Jesus' dad, Joseph, the name of Jesus' mother, Mary, before we're told about 39 dads and their sons and how they connected to God in such a way that that it led up to this spiritual legacy that Jesus would have. Now, last year on Father's Day, one of our elders' dads, who from time to time visits our church with his son and daughter on Mother's Day and Father's Day, came up to me, um, and he said, Christian, it, it seems like that on every Mother's Day, you really celebrate the moms, but on every Father's Day, you really challenge the dads. Why, like, why is that? Why don't you teach about how to be a better mother on Mother's Day and just talk about how awesome dads are on Father's Day? And I said, you know, that's a good point. I don't know. But the reality is I love to be a dad and I like to challenge dads. So today, I've, I've, I want to celebrate fathers, but I really want to challenge dads Because as we look at the life of Jesus, what we see before we get into the life of Jesus is we see the importance of the faith of a father. And if you've taken your sermon notes out of the back of your your bulletin that we gave you so you can follow along, I want to teach you three important things today about the faith of a father that are important, that are legacy-shaping and life-transforming in your life. And whether you're a dad, whether you're a grandpa, really, if you're a mom, if you're a spouse, if you desire to have any spiritual influence over anybody, if you're a teenager who wants to have spiritual influence over your friend, these three points are for everybody. Uh, we're going to study them through the lens of being a dad, but really these three points, this, this is the faith um, picture of somebody who wants to have influence for Jesus. But we study it through the lens of a father, and here's the first thing we learn about the faith of a father as we look through the lens of Matthew chapter 1, these 39 dads and their son, and we go back to the very beginning. We see that a father carries a spiritual image. And the first thing, if you're a dad, if you're a grandpa, if you're a parent, the first thing you want to be aware of 
is the fact that you have a spiritual image that you are carrying and that you are creating in the life of your kids. And if I were to ask you the question this morning, dad, grandpa, who is God to you? Who is God in you? And who is God around you? The way you answered that question with your verbal answer and with your life would be very similar probably to the way that your kids under the age of 18 would answer that question because we carry the image of what somebody who loves God and follows God is for our kids. In Genesis 5-3, we see an interesting verse that you have to break down a little bit to understand because in Genesis 5-3, we've been told the story of Adam and Eve. We've been told the story of their sons, Cain and Abel. We know they actually had a lot of sons and daughters. But we read this in Genesis 5-3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Now, on your sermon notes, I want you to circle the word likeness and image if that verse is actually listed for you there. If not, just jot those verses down, those words down. Because what scripture is telling us here, if we read on through that, we then read, I'm sure Seth had many kids, but we read about the child Seth had that became like him spiritually. And then we read about the child he had who became like him spiritually. And there's this thought that that dads produce kids, that dads raise families who are very much like them spiritually. Adam had a son that was like him spiritually. His name was Seth. Now, unfortunately, spiritual image really isn't in a dad's DNA as much as it's in what I would call their CNA, which means your kids are going to become like what they see spiritually. Not what you say spiritually, not what you were spiritually. Your kids are going to become what they see spiritually. So you've got this, what I would call CNA in you, that what kids see in you, they're going to become. I heard a poem when I was at Fellowship of Christian Athletes Camp my freshman year that captivated me, and I've kept it very near to me. First as an athlete wanting to have influence, and then when I became a dad, it meant a whole lot to me uh, about how, how people are watching to become like a dad or someone they respect. And here's the poem. There are little eyes upon you, and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do anything you do, and a little boy who's dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You're the little fellow's idol. You're the wisest of the wise. In his little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, holds all you say and do. He will say and do in your way when he's grown up just like you. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right, and his eyes are always opened, and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day and all you do for the little boy who's waiting to grow up to be just like you. See, as a father of a son, I I read that and I believe that. And as a pastor of dads with sons, I read that and I believe that. And maybe it's not that poem, maybe it's that great country song by Rodney Atkins, Watching You, where the little boy sings in the chorus, I've been watching you, dad, ain't that cool. I'm your buckaroo, I wanna be like you. See, there's a spiritual image that fathers have that they're passing on to their children. And we have to be aware of that, and we have to live our life according to that, because hopefully we want to produce not only what we are, but better than what we are spiritually. Now, what are some action steps for you to produce good spiritual image in your kids? Or if you're a boss in your employees, or if you're an older sibling in your little brothers and sisters, if you're a coach in the players that you have... What are the steps to take to to make sure your spiritual image is duplicated? Well, number one, talk about 
and teach about the things of God. In Deuteronomy 6, we see the formula that God gave to Moses. He said, hey, here's all this stuff about God. The only way anybody's going to remember it is if dads talk about it. And they teach it to their kids. In Deuteronomy 6 and 7, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Basically, talk to your kids about the things of God. Teach your kids about the things of God. And then secondly... You need to be about the things of God in your own life. Because the things we always talk about others doing, but we never do ourselves, I think culture maybe calls that hypocrisy. When we hold others to a standard, we're not willing to hold. And when we hold our kids to a standard, we're not willing to follow to. Man, kids see it in their parents more than we see it in our friends. I promise you that. In Philippians 4.9, the apostle Paul said to the church at Philippi, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Just put that into practice. How many of you could say to your 10-year-old sons, your 20-year-old daughters, your 35-year-old kids, your 50-year-old kids, your 12-year-old grandkids, just live your life the exact way I have lived mine, and you'll be fine? This is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church at Philippi. I mean, what kind of faith do you have to have to have the confidence to tell people, whatever you've heard me say, seen me do, just... Just do what I do and you'll do, you'll do okay spiritually. Man, that's the kind of spiritual image that I want to carry around because here's the fact. Your spiritual image is more important to pass on than your spiritual information. And then we live in a culture where we want to pass on everything we've learned spiritually to our kids, but our spiritual image is more important than our spiritual information. Our kids don't need to pass a test. Our kids need to develop into a person that loves Jesus. Does that make sense? It's the difference between spiritual image and spiritual information. And we see in scripture that the way it happens is we pass on our likeness and our image spiritually. And what I have learned um, is usually our kids take our good and they improve upon it. And our kids take our bad and they kind of take it the next step, unfortunately. So it's important for us to know our weaknesses and really work to overcome those and to know our strengths and impress those in our kids because they're going to be even better than we are at those things. Secondly... The faith of a father is seen in your spiritual priorities. So the faith of a father, the faith of a spiritual leader, the faith of anyone who loves Jesus is really seen in your spiritual priorities. And what I want to say is, as parents, really as Christians, the goal is to bring people with us on our spiritual journey. A lot of times we talk about getting our kids started on their spiritual journey, but the thought of Scripture is, listen, just just do your thing and bring them with you. Because a lot of us want our kids to go spiritually where we've never been. We're proud of our kids when they go spiritually where we've never been. But the reality is they'll go farther if we take, if we take them with us on our spiritual journey. And it's interesting that so often in Scripture, um, the, the spiritual life is referred to as a race. There are actually a lot of, I've heard a lot of scholars who talk about, they believe that the Apostle Paul was maybe a marathon runner. Uh, when you look at his travels, he had to be someone who had incredibly high endurance to travel all over the world on foot, and he always talked about running races. So there's some people who thought maybe Paul in his younger days was, was an athlete, maybe he was a runner. But he often talks about faith being um, in the race of life. And what's funny is we, we want to get our kids started on this race and we want, to stand, we want to sit in the stands and cheer them on. But the reality is we should be running our own race. Spiritual development 
must be your spiritual priority if it's going to be your child's spiritual reality. Now, that's not on the blanks that you have to fill in, so you're going to have to write a little bit, but you need to write this down. God gave this to me late in the week. Spiritual development must be your spiritual priority if it's going to be your child's spiritual reality. Because I did youth ministry for about a decade, and rarely do kids get way beyond their parents spiritually and stay there. They kind of always end up coming back to the race their mom and dads are running. It's just too hard to run that much further ahead when you're a middle schooler, a teenager, or a college kid. So spiritual development as a parent has to be your spiritual priority if it's going to be your kid's spiritual reality. So I challenge you, get in the race in Acts 20, 24. The apostle Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul said, I'm running my race. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he challenged the church at Corinth. He said, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Paul says, run your faith. But later in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says to Timothy, see, these are some of the last words the apostle Paul ever wrote before he died. He said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He said, I have run my race. So how's your race going? Because your race often determines how your kids are running spiritually. On January 10th, 1962, Dick and Judy Hoyt um, had a son who they expected to be perfectly healthy. Except when little Rick um, Hoyt came out of his mother's umbilical cord had been wrapped around his neck and the oxygen that he needed to get to his brain in his first few moments of life didn't get there and he developed cerebral palsy, which doesn't allow your brain to basically tell your muscles when to work correctly. Doctors recommended at an early age that Dick and Judy um, institutionalize their son because they believed he'd live his entire life in what they called an unresponsive vegetative state and they'd have no way to ever communicate with this son who literally they didn't believe had a brain that functioned Um, but they noticed at a young age that his eyes would follow him around the room. They'd sit him in a chair and they'd see his eyes follow him. So they kept going to doctor after doctor after doctor to to have somebody convince them that that their son could maybe be okay. They went to a children's hospital in Boston and they found a doctor who said, listen, this kid is as sharp as any other kid. Treat him like you would any other child. So at age 11, they fitted him with a computer that helped him communicate and they sent him to to, to public middle school and then public high school, and he eventually graduated from Boston University in 1993 with a degree in special education, but his life changed at 15. At the age of 15, his school was doing a benefit race, a benefit 5K for someone in their school who needed money raised, and he came home and asked his dad if his dad would push him in his wheelchair in this 5K. His dad at the time was 36 years old. He's not a runner. He'd never run a race before in his life. But he told his son, yeah, I'll push you in the 5K. And he pushed him in the 5K, and they came home. And Rick, at 15 years old, told his dad through his computer that he communicated through, "Um, Dad, when we were running that race, it was the first time in my life that I didn't feel handicapped. Could we keep running? I don't know if you've heard about Dick and Rick Hoyt, but they have not stopped running. Uh, All these years later, they've run more than 70 marathons. They've run the Boston Marathon 32 times. In 2013, they actually put a statue of them on the race course or so, well-known there. They've competed in six Ironman triathlons where Dick would basically push his son in a wheelchair for a full marathon. He'd swim with him, strapped to a boat on his back that was across his shoulders, 2.1 miles. 
He had a harness where he rode on the front of his bicycle for 110 miles. In 2008, they got inducted into the Ironman Hall of Fame. And in 1992, together they biked 3,700 miles across America, Dick doing all the pedaling, Rick in the front seat traveling together. It was a dad who said, I'm going to run my race and I'm going to help push my kid as well. And I want to show you their story today. So take a look at the screen behind me.
Dads, what if we did spiritually what Dick Hoyt has done physically for his son? Man, I cried my eyes out like the first 10 times I watched that. Yeah, I hear a lot of dads that say, Christian, you know, I just, I, don't, I just don't think my kids love God. What if Dick would have said, well, I just don't think my son can run like he's handicapped. He figured out a way. By stepping into the race himself, he figured out a way. And I believe if your spiritual priority becomes your spiritual race, I can't guarantee your kids will follow, but I promise you they'll have a better chance if you will set your spiritual priority to run your race. What are some action steps in this area of your life to to make your race your spiritual priority, to help your kids in their spiritual priorities? One, catch your children in faith moments in order to praise and encourage them. This is the first great responsibility in a parent to see steps of growth in your kids. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon said he set eternity in the human heart. There's this thought that there's part of the image of God inside of each of us, and we need to see that in our children and pull it out. When your children say, hey, Dad, we should give some money to that man on the street who's begging, pull them aside and say, that heart to help people, I'm so proud of you. And I want you every day to live your life to help people. When you see them be nice to their brother or their sister, and like that might not happen very much, right? But like that one or two times, they're nice to their brother. So would you stop and would you say, man, that's because Jesus in, has put something in you to help you care for your family. One day you're going to be the greatest dad. You're going to be the greatest mom. Man, you're going to be the greatest big brother. You're going to be the greatest little sister. Catch your kids doing faith things and encourage them. God at Jesus' baptism said, this is my son, and I'm proud of him. If God took, took time to praise his son when he took important spiritual steps, how important is it for us? I'll never forget two days after grand opening when my dad, who's the greatest man I know, called and left me a voicemail on my phone. He, they drove down from just south of Chicago to be with us at grand opening, and he called, and he just said, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. He started crying on my voicemail. He said, every time I think about Sunday morning, I start crying, so proud of you. Don't quit. Man, what if we did that for our kids spiritually in those big spiritual moments if we spotted them and we drove deep the spiritual priority of who Jesus is? And then secondly, be aware of the sin nature in your children and strongly guide them. Say, my kid has a sin nature. If they're anything like mine, they do. Uh, and and it's, it's been very easy to identify. Um, I remember I was out to breakfast with Christian. We've started eating breakfast once a week. He turns 13 this year and told him it's his year to become a man, so we're going to eat breakfast every week and just talk about the things that men of God need. And I talked to him about an area that he struggled with. Um, and I said, you struggle with, you know, you do, do you know you struggle with this area? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, Christian, he said, Maybe just a little bit. Uh, Your kids even usually are aware of their areas. So be aware of that as parents and protect against that in your children and guide them spiritually. And then finally, I believe if you will take your spiritual image seriously, I believe if you will create spiritual priority in your race, I believe you'll leave a spiritual legacy. And this is what I want every dad and granddad and really mom and leader and influencer, this is what I want you to think about on Father's Day this year. And here's what I want to challenge you with. I want you to remember what I call the ABCs of your spiritual legacy. Because I'm going to give you three words that kind of roll together. This is the way to pass the baton from one generation to the next in legacy. Remember the ABCs of spiritual legacy. In the first A, you need to remember, 
comes with the word desire. The spiritual legacy you'll pass on to your children will be the spiritual desires you currently have for your children. So you have to start figuring it out. What, it, what is it that you want your kids to have spiritually? This is where David jumps into this Father's Day message. In 1 Chronicles 29, 19, we see a prayer that he prayed for his son. And he said, God, give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I've provided. David was praying that his son would have a spiritual legacy. David was asking God, help my kids to follow you and help my kids to finish what I've started. So I would ask you, what spiritual desires do you have for your children? What spiritual dreams have you started that you need your kids to finish? Is there some kind of big family dream that you are pursuing spiritually that, that you desire for you and your kids, and it probably won't happen in your lifetime, but maybe your kids can finish the job? Three years ago, I set a spiritual goal that as a pastor before God took me from this earth, that God would allow me to raise up a church and be a part of a ministry that would give away more than $10 million to global missions and local community outreach to see people who are hurting helped. And I keep track of where we are on that. We have a long way to go. I also dreamed a dream that our church could plant life-giving, community-transforming churches on every planet, uh, every continent um, on planet earth that is populated enough to do that. Now, that's a dream that I talk to my kids about, and it's a dream that perhaps I might not even be able to accomplish in this lifetime. But if I can, I pray that they'll continue trying to do what is the desire of our heart spiritually. So so develop some spiritual desires for your kids. I'd ask you this question. What spiritual work have you started that your children will finish? What's your dream for God that you're going to pursue in this lifetime and you're going to ask your kids to pursue as well? The, the, The B of the ABC, so the A is desires, the B is dreams. Your spiritual desires will birth your children's spiritual dreams. The things you tell them you're praying for them about will begin to develop into the things that they begin to pray for themselves about. The things that they hear you pray over them will be things that they begin to pray for themselves. The things they begin to hear you say, I think you could do this when you grow up, will be things that they want to begin to do when they grow up. Your desires will become their dreams if God plants that seed of spiritual DNA in them. And then finally, your children's spiritual dreams will become their spiritual destiny if God moves like we want God to move. And when your child steps into their spiritual destiny, your spiritual legacy is cemented. That's kind of how it works. Your dreams become their, uh, your desires become their dreams. Their dreams become their destiny. But it has to start with this thought that we are passing the baton of spiritual legacy. When I look today at the faith of a father, When I look at the 39 spiritual fathers in the line of Jesus that established the spiritual legacy that we celebrate today, I'm reminded that your faith, dad, your faith, grandpa, your faith, single mom, your faith is is going to determine the faith legacy of your family. So I I want to challenge you to embrace this challenge that I've given you today. Spend time working on your spiritual image and understand what you have to become for your kids to see spiritual legacy in you. Reshape your spiritual priorities. Don't sit in the stands and cheer your kids on. Get on the bike 
and push them as far as you can while you have air in your lungs. Strap them on your back and swim with them as far as you can. Put them in the chair and push them on your race. Get them as far as you can in your race. Hopefully to the point when you quit running your race that they are not only done racing, but they're ready to start pushing their own kids in their race. And then thirdly, leave a spiritual legacy that celebrates you and celebrates Jesus in you. The faith of a father is seen in spiritual image. It's seen in your spiritual priorities. It ultimately is celebrated in your spiritual legacies. But the question is, where are you today, Dad? June 15, 2014, where are you today, Dad? Because there are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day. There's a little boy, little girl, who wants to grow up to be just like you. What does that mean for them spiritually? You can change that destiny today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning. Really overwhelmed with what we have seen and heard from your word. Not in, the, not in the greatness or the excellence of a Bible study that I've put together, but in the truth of your word laid out in a manner that's understandable, in the powerful story of a dad who jumped in the race so that his kid could race too. God, we've been challenged. We've been challenged about our spiritual image. We've been challenged about our spiritual priorities. We've been challenged about our spiritual legacy. Everyone in the room has. But today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to focus on dads. And if you're a dad in the room who desires to leave a spiritual legacy with your kids and your grandkids, if you're a dad in the room that God has opened your eyes to your spiritual image and your spiritual priorities and the reality of spiritual likeness in image, and God is laying on your heart today to be a dick hoit to your kids spiritually to jump in the race. If that's what God is speaking to your heart about today, Dad, would you just stand right now all over the room so that I can pray for you and with you? If you're a dad and God has spoken to you and you have strong desire to leave spiritual legacy through your spiritual image and your spiritual priorities, would you just stand all over the room? Just stand right now. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you.